This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, welcome to The Garden Show here on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin. I am Dean Hall and aiding and abetting her as best I can. And how are you this morning, Charlie? I'm great. Thank you. You're a great aider and a better, just so you know. Well, I love it. I always learn something from you. And yeah. um, and I was going to say, and almost happy new. This is a special day because it's New Year's Eve. I was going to say, you want to hear something to learn? Gung Hai Fat Chow. Choi. Good for you. <laughs> I, good for you. That's the happy- Cantonese. Oh, well, not good Cantonese, obviously, but happy <laughs> new year, happy year of the rabbit. Uh, right. And- the year should be filled of prosperity and peace and uh, hope. 2023 with the rabbit in charge should be a good year for most of us. Excellent. And that starts at midnight, I believe. I think right. uh, this is uh, Chinese New Year's Eve, as it were. So, yes. yes, you say we're exiting the tiger, going into the rabbit. Uh, what What were you born under? What year? What- <laughs> I'm a rooster. Rooster. Can you tell? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was born in the year of the goat. And uh-huh. um yeah, and because I, I, you know, and because I'm a, an Aries, I figure out, and that's a ram, I'm a goat through and through. I was going to say, and I'm like, you know, an Aries and an obnoxious rooster, so I'm yeah. obnoxious through and through. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we got it all covered, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me just give out those phone numbers, and uh, then if you have uh, any announcements or anything you want to, uh, I think we, we do have something really important to chat about, don't we? Yeah, yeah, um, numbers. Yeah, okay, numbers. Uh, for Toronto number, if you are living in TO, 416-360-0740, or outside Toronto, anywhere else in the province of Ontario, it is a toll-free number, one 740 4740 Please make sure that you uh, let Carlos know if you are a first-time caller. He will let us know, and I will give you your garden wings. We want you to call off, and we want you to call early, and uh, that's a big one. Please call early, and also please one question per call so we can get them all in. Okay, big announcement is for next week, Charlie? Well, yeah, we're going to have a special guest. Dean, have you met Terry Kennedy? I can't remember. Was she on with you last year? No. She was, yeah. I just haven't met her in person, but yeah, right. very, very knowledgeable. Super knowledgeable. So um, consistent listeners to the show will remember Terry has been on the show a number of times. She is an orchid specialist. She knows everything about orchids inside and out, and she'll be joining us next week on the half hour, so right around 9.30. She is going to be talking about, and everybody's excited about this, the Southern Ontario Orchid Society is coming back with another big, beautiful orchid show in Toronto at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. It's always the weekend around Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, around Valentine's Day. So it's Saturday and Sunday, February 11th and 12th. Uh, 11 to 5, both days, open to the public, only $10 to get in the door. Toronto Botanical Gardens, they take over the whole building. The exhibits are to just die for. They just make you salivate, not to mention the the beautiful fragrances of some of the the really, really um, aromatic orchids. But then everything is for sale. There's 
orchids for sale, all the doodads that you might need for transplanting or fertilizing, you know, experts all over the place um, doing lectures on how to transplant, how to grow, la la la, and lots. Because remember, orchids get stolen from the wild. So there's always a real conservation slant when the Orchid Society gets talking because they you know, orchids all started in the wild and uh, and there's a real, you know, some of them are really now very endangered as a result of collectors. So, um, yeah, really, really educational, really interesting. Gotcha. OK, I will uh, have some questions about that as the show rolls on. But right now we have to take our first pause. We will be right back with much more here on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, you are listening to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. And yes, indeed, Charlie Dobbin is here to answer your questions. And Charlie, I got to tell you, and I'm not, I'm not being facetious when I say this, but I actually... It kind of feels like winter has finally arrived uh, because we, we actually, you know, the temperatures have dipped. The snow was blowing around yesterday. The roads were not great here. We've had a mix over the, over the last couple of days of freezing rain and such. And my wife, Gail, just about 20 minutes ago, shoveled the driveway for one of the one of the first times in a month. So, wow. We yeah. we're not like that. We have a little dusting from, I don't know, it snowed a little while ago and a little freezing rain, but we're mostly mm-hmm. green here, but cold and gray. It's kind of, you're right, feel a bit wintry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It almost feels like it might have finally set in because, of course, <laughs> yeah, we really have, you know, a couple, few more months. Yeah, I mean, a couple more months anyway. So we have uh, till, yeah, I guess a couple more months exactly today because yeah, yeah. the first day of spring would be uh, 21st of March around March. there, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay, no, uh, let's go to our first caller. We have uh, we have Anne on the line, and she's calling from Georgetown. Welcome to the Garden Show, Anne. I can hardly hear you on the phone. Oh, go ahead. Just ask your question, and then maybe you could hang up and then turn up your radio. Oh, okay. Uh, I have an amarilla. Uh, it's called, um, let's see, A-L-F-R-E-S-E-O. It's white. Okay, okay yep. Yeah. It's grown about four feet high. <laughs> seven blooms <laughs> And I want to know, when they're gone, how do I prepare it to keep it? All right, so it has a flower on it now, does it? Yeah, there's two left on it, right at the top. Can I turn the radio up? Because I can't hear you. Yeah, so hang up your phone, and uh, and then you can crank up your radio and listen. I'll give you a minute to do that. Okay, um, but all right, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, um, yes, any amaryllis, whether it's white or pink or red, they will grow very, very tall if they're not given enough light. So make sure you've got that plant in the brightest window in your house uh, to avoid it falling over from being top heavy. Turn it every day, 180 degrees. Water when it's dry. Feel the soil. Don't make it wet all the time, but certainly water when it's dry. Eventually, the flowers will fade away and dry up, and you'll just have the green flower stalk sticking up. Eventually, that green stalk will turn yellow, and you'll clip that off, and along the way, green leaves will grow. So now it's a houseplant. It's a green houseplant with big green leaves in your window right through until we're frost-free, and then I would get it outside for the summer. So it's one of those things where we just try and look after it until we're frost-free and then grow it on outside for the summer. Okay, doke. Okay, sounds good. Uh, let's jump to our next caller. We have uh, Jean calling from Newmarket. Welcome to the Garden Show, Jean. 
Good morning. I love your show, Charlie. And I want to tell you, I'm probably the only person who's not a gardener, but I love listening to what you have to say. Thank I you. Don't, yeah, lots of people wouldn't call themselves gardeners, but they are. <laughs> <laughs> I bought, uh, on a whim, I bought a succulent because I like gnomes, and around the succulent are gnomes and little stones. Well, um, now I'm wondering how to care for it. Uh, it's in a glass container, kind of about four inches high and about eight or ten inches wide. The succulent is right in the middle, and it looks like straws, green straws, and there's about 15 of them in that clump. My concern mm-hmm. is how do I water it um, because it's in a glass container. There are stones in the bottom. Thank mm-hmm. you, Charlie. Okay, so Jean, this is a great question, and your timing is good. And what you've purchased on a whim and what other people might have also purchased or been given as a gift is, like you say, it's like a little planter. We call it a gift planter, and it'll have multi-things going on, little stones. little might be like a little miniature garden with a little mirror, um, like you said, gnomes or uh, little decorations in there. But there's always a living plant. <clears throat> the main thing with a succulent is you know by its leaves, the thick leathery leaves, and very thick, you can feel them just with your fingers, your finger and your thumb, just press your finger and thumb on the leaves and you'll feel just how thick they are and how firm they are. Don't water. Wait until at some point when you feel the leaves, they feel soft. So oh. soft, like uh, like really, you know, almost getting to the limp point. That could take weeks. It could take months. Who knows how long that will take. But at some point, the leaves will feel soft. And at that point, you'll give some water. Um, eventually, to, do, to plant, to really enjoy this plant forever and ever, you are going to have to get it out of that container and into a proper pot with drainage. Um, with a cactus soil, preferably. And, you know, the gravel is good, too. Good drainage. Lots of sun. But you're most likely to kill it with too much water. So err on the side of underwatering rather than overwatering. You know, I think okay, I got the right plant for me because I'm not a gardener. <laughs> Thank you very much for your advice, Charlie. Bye. You're very welcome. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks for the call, Jean. Okay, um, I, I love succulents. I think you and I have talked about that before. I am a huge fan of succulents. I, very uh, trendy. Yeah, I have a, I've had a dream for some time of having those wall planters with the succulents on them, which I think you say is a bit tricky. It's a bit of a tricky. Lots of light. Lots of light and not too much water. Okay. Uh, Got to take a break. I have Don on the line. We're going to get to him right after this uh, commercial pause. Uh, but we have lots of room on the line. So please give us a call. 416 is the Toronto number. And anywhere else in the province of Ontario, that toll-free number is one 740 4740 We will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show. And as I indicated before the break, I have Don on the line, and he is calling from Welland. Yes, the uh, the town of the canal. How are you this morning, Don? Well, very good. And yourself? I'm well. I'm well. I'm well. Much snow there where you are? None at all. 
No, not at all. Nope. Uh, yes, same as in Prince Edward County, apparently. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, I'm uh, today. Every day is a day closer to spring, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> yeah, we're I with you. you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My question is. Oh, by the way, top of the morning to you. <laughs> my top, Thank you. Uh, my uh, question is about uh, raspberries. Uh, we've had raspberry canes uh, from my mother-in-law that were 50 years old uh, when she started them. And we've had uh, raspberries from those canes for 40 years. Yeah. Now, my question is, uh, should you cut them back in the springtime or should you just leave them? Because they get all big and droopy over the uh, the course of the summer. Right. So because of the age, you mentioned these are 40 or 50 year old canes. They're probably um, not what we call ever bearing raspberries. They just bear fruit once. And that's like midsummer, right? Uh, No, they, uh, um, no, the same canes uh, bear uh, every year. Yes. Okay. So two things I can, two things I can recommend. So, um, Once the raspberries have borne fruit during the season, so in July or August, you can see where you picked the fruit and uh, you can cut those canes right down to ground level at that time in the summer or fall. In the spring, however, we just walk into the patch and look for, because there'll be all the fresh will be there because you've cut out the already the uh, canes that have already borne fruit. So in the spring, you go and you look around and what you want to do is remove what we call the weak canes. So like you were saying, uh, Dawn, they get uh, sort of, they start falling over, they get floppy. Uh, those are the weak canes that you can be either cutting out entirely in the spring or at least cutting down in the spring, down to half their height. Uh, also look for anything dead. In the spring, you're going to have some tips and tops on some of those canes. So again, prune that all out in the spring on a nice sunny day, you know, when the sun is shining and you just clean up the patch. You don't want to let the raspberries be the master of the garden because they will just get so tangled and so uh, overgrown that your harvest will go down and you won't be able to get in there because it's just so crowded. So really go in and really selectively prune out the weak and the dead and the already already born fruit canes. Open things up a bit. I think you'll find you'll, they'll just keep on bearing as long as you keep doing that every year. Okay, because I do uh, selectively take some of the runners out um, mm-hmm. when they start and some of the old stock I take out and then uh, the runners that come up, I leave. Yep. And then they yeah, grow you, into- you do want to leave the new, like the new shoots. Yes, you want to leave those as long as they're good and, and strong. If they're kind of soft and wimpy or super small in the spring or you know mid spring, then don't right. work with those. Just take them down. We just allow. You really just want like a cane, about a foot between each of your canes, right? You don't want them all crowded in. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. I'll have to remember that. Uh, we get generally get two cuts or two runs from the the stra- or raspberries a, a year. That's, that's great. That's great. Yes, yeah. so you're getting an early and a later harvest as well. So, yeah. so they might be considered what they call you know ever bearing, uh, and right. those are the ones that you know. Remember the the canes only bear once. So once okay. you've picked fruit off of the the stems, the canes, those are going to get removed, whether they're uh, once-bearing or ever-bearing. They remove the canes after they bear fruit. 
Oh, okay. 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 Thank you. okay. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Don. I love raspberries. I do too. It's put me in the mood for I, raspberry <laughs> pie. You know, I had one years ago. I was doing a show in Concordia, and the family that hosted us had a, the one of the best raspberry pies I've ever had in my life. And it, Don's conversation reminded me of that. Yeah, I know. I know. It's just, yeah. Let's get. Let's start talking about yummy, sweet spring summer fruits now that it's a cold and gray day. Yeah, <laughs> getting all giddy about it. <laughs> okay, uh, Jean from Newmarket is calling back. She uh, heeded our mantra of one question per call, please, and she's called back with a second question. Welcome back to the Garden Show, Jean. Hello, Darcy. Hello, Dean, and thank you for taking my call. My husband yeah. is the avid gardener. He started pansies from seed in the spring. And they bloom beautifully outside. Then he brought the container in and is still green. He wants to know what to do with them. Sorry, what was it that he grew from seed? Yeah, uh, pansies. Okay. Oh, interesting. <laughs> he brought them in. So they're green in the house. Well, yeah. pansies, if they don't um, get killed by frost or drought, will act as perennials. So if they're in the house and they're green now, then keep them as you've got them, frost-free. The main thing to get them to bloom again is you got to lower the temperature. Pansies are a cool weather plant. So if okay. he can put them in a bright but cool location, so cool as in 10, 12 degrees Celsius, so 50-ish Fahrenheit, um, they will start to bloom again and they will bloom. And it's, it's only, like I say, it's only heat and drought that, or extreme cold that kills pansies. So um, sure, keep them going, but, but it's, temperature makes all the difference. That's why in the spring, when the garden centers are itching to open and the gardeners are itching to shop and it's still cold outside and there's still frost in the ground, you'll find pansies for sale. And that's because they do grow, like the, the commercial growers are growing them now they've started seeding them in the last few weeks and they will all be for sale by early March, usually in full flower because of the nice cool temperatures. Hmm. What kind of, thank you. What kind of fertilizer should we put on them in the spring then? Uh, with something like pansies, I would just work with a general all purpose flowering plant fertilizer. And, uh, you know, the, an all purpose fertilizer is very balanced. So it's like a 10, 10, 10 or a 20, 20, 20. That's what we call a completely all-purpose balanced fertilizer. A flowering plant fertilizer tends to have a higher middle number. So it might be 15, 30, 15, or 12, 24, 16, something like that. So you'll have that higher middle number. The phosphorus, which is the middle number, encourages flower bud formation. So just, uh, you know, the, it's starting to roll out. I know I was in Canadian Tire a few weeks ago, and they were starting to roll out their spring stuff. So it, it, the fertilizers are out there if you need just an all-purpose flowering plant fertilizer to use on anything that flowers. Thank you so much. I love your show. Bye. Thanks for calling. Good luck. Thanks so much, Gene. I love it. Yeah. I was going to say, Charlie, that sounds like a like a course all unto its own. All those fertilizers, all the mix. That must be quite something to get inside your brain when you're starting out. I think it can be very overwhelming at first because there's too many choices. And there are so many mixes out there of different numbers. Well, that's right. And and of course, if you are a uh, 
producer of these synthetic fertilizers, it's completely to your advantage to have everybody buy every single one out there. So I'm growing pansies, I need pansy fertilizer. I'm growing, you know, clematis, I need clematis fertilizer. I'm growing, uh, you know, tomatoes, I need tomato fertilizer. Like, and yet go back and say to yourself, what do these plants all have in common? Like when you grow tomatoes, you're growing something that you want to flower, right? It's the tomatoes come, the actual fruit happens after the flowers. So you go back to your all-purpose flowering plant fertilizer and say, hmm, works on the pansies, works on the clematis, and we'll work on the tomatoes. I only need one fertilizer, not three. Gotcha. Do you have a favorite general mix that you'd like? If you were to only buy one, or can you not do that? I don't know if it's uh, – well, no, you, can, you definitely need certain fertilizers sometimes. Um, I've always loved the 15-30-15 um, proportion, so that's a 1-2-1 one, one proportion. I'm not sure if that's still out there anymore. It used to be called RX-15, um, but there's probably something out there that's a 15-30-15. But lawn fertilizers are specific to lawns. You do need that. And if you've got rhododendrons or any of the real um, acid-loving plants, uh, the azaleas – uh, hydrangeas, magnolias, you do need a very specific fertilizer for them. So every now and then you do need a special one, but generally speaking, you're good with the all-purpose and the flowering plant as your two go-tos. Okay, sounds good. Before we get to our next caller, I am going to give out those numbers again. Toronto number is 416-360-0740 or toll-free anywhere outside of Toronto in the province of Ontario, one 866 740 Four seven forty. Uh, we're going to a town just outside of uh, Hamilton, Caledonia area. Then we're going to Cayuga, and uh, we've got Joan on the line, who is a first-time caller. Welcome to the Garden Show, Joan. Good morning, um, Charlie. I'm so happy to listen uh, to call you finally. I listen all the time, but this Great. is the time I've actually phoned in. Um, I have two hibiscus. Um, they were gifts, and uh, we had them outside on the deck, and they were beautiful flowering plants. So we brought them indoors in the fall, and um, I'm battling these little white bugs. Mm. They're small like dandruff, and they, yeah. they'll fly off when I uh, touch the leaves. So I bought Safer's Insecticide Soap and mm -hmm. sprayed the leaves like crazy, and it'll be okay for about a week, and then they're all back again. And mm. the leaves are just dropping like crazy. Oh, I know this is a sad story. Uh, so what you have is an insect, crazy name, it's called white fly, and it does just that. It's pure white and it flies around, small, and you're right, you touch the plant and then a, a whole, you know, a horde of white insects fly up into the air. They are very difficult to eradicate. You can lower the population, but to actually truly get rid of them is I might have to say impossible because uh, I have battled them myself over the years. And then at some point you just say, I give up. What you can do, like safer soap is a good idea. But what you want to do is you want to shrink the plants down for starters. You'll always find the white fly, any of this, they're sucking insects. All right. So their mouth parts uh, are like a straw and they, they fly to the newest growth, the tips, the sweetest, most succulent growth. They stick their little mouth parts into the leaves and they suck juice. So you will usually find them congregated on the newest growth. 
So before you do anything, try and um, move those plants so that, first of all, they're not uh, near any other plants that might get infested with the white fly. Like Say move them into the bathroom. So you're in the bathroom with the, these infested plants. Get it your pruners. Prune them right back so that you've got, boy, you might want to remove as much as 80% of the plant. So all the outside, all the tips right down so that it's a much more dense plant. Make sure you still leave a few leaves on the plant, otherwise it will die. And then you get out your safer soap and you soap as per directions. And then you wait. And then seven days later, you soap again. And then you wait. And then again, because what happens is the soap will not kill the eggs. The eggs have to hatch. And then the soap will work if the soap coats the hatched insects. So it's a long process. Yes, you can kill the adults, uh, but as long as they don't fly away, you can kill them with the spray. But they've left eggs behind. And that's where the pruning comes in because you will prune away a lot of the eggs. And, of course, when you've pruned into the you know green garbage bag goes the cuttings that you've taken off tie it up tight and outside into the cold weather so the white flies will die in the cold but of course in your house they're very happy oh dear. i i thought it had something to do with the cycle because I, they, for a week or so they say hey they're okay and i've got new buds and new green coming and then yeah i've got one that's like a tree with the twisted uh, braided yeah. yeah and i have a little one and um boy they like the little one because the leaves are more tender like you said and the great big leaves on the tree aren't being affected it's the small growth in between that's dropping off and uh yeah you flip the leaves over and it's just like crazy it's like rice exactly and that is exactly those are the eggs when you flip the leaf over and you see that they're almost opaque little tiny oval dots those are the eggs So you got it. That's why you have to keep spraying every single seven. I think they say seven to 10 days on the package, but just put it on the calendar every seven days. Spray it thoroughly. Oh, oh, thank you so much for your advice. Good luck with that. Right? Because I tried doing it in the soap. Oh, she cut me off. Okay. All right. Okay. And and before you, I'm just going to give you your garden wings there, Joan. Okay. Thank you. Because you you were the first time caller, but uh, don't be a stranger. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks. Okay. Uh, I think we have we can squeeze in one more call before we have to take our next pause. Let's go to Sharon in Ridgeway. Welcome to the Garden Show, Sharon. Good morning. 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 How are you today? I'm good. I hope you are both as well. Um, oh. I live about six blocks from Lake Erie, and we bought here about five years ago. We have a large bed in the front. Um, which uh, the old owner cut down about six huge pine trees there. Since we've moved in, I've had very little success out there. The, sa- the soil is very sandy to the point where if you um, put your foot in the grass on a dry day, it might sink down. Um, so I'm wondering what to use to amend the soil so I'll have more success. Um, the spring bulbs come up okay, but everything else is gets smaller instead of bigger. <laughs> Has has anything been planted in there since the pines came out? Yes, yes. Um, in the way of trees or shrubs? Um, just one of those. The name escapes me, but one of those uh, shrubs that have the pink and white leaves, and it's doing okay. And hydrangea, okay. which did not do very well. Right. Yeah, it's too dry for the hydrangea, uh, and yeah. it's probably quite sunny, I imagine, too. Oh, absolutely. We face south. Sure, son. Okay. So 
what I would do is double check that there's not a lot of um, debris from the what was cut out, the, the evergreens that came out of there, meaning yeah. needles. I imagine there's roots under the ground, but um, yeah. just if you can rake out some of the needles, you'll just find that they're adding good organic material. They're also, if it's a very dry spot, they're not going to um, decompose anytime quickly. So, you know, just if that was a, the seemed appropriate, I would probably remove some of that first. Then I'd head off to my local farmer and I'd ask my farmer to deliver me a nice big load of composted manure. So not fresh, wet, just dropped manure, but something that has aged over at least one or two winters. And it will arrive dry. It shouldn't smell a lot. It'll be quite chunky and dry. But at the same time, once it gets moist, it will be full of life. And the biology, the, the little microorganisms in that manure will start chewing on what's already in that bed and also providing a broken down organic material, which will help with water retention. So depending on what you've got good access to, some people just say, oh, I'll get a load of triple mix because triple mix should be both manure and topsoil and peat moss, so everything you need. So just kind of depending on what what you've got around you in terms of access to a nice big load, you're going to need, you know, a minimum of an inch of good quality um, fresh soil slash organic matter into that bed. And then, um, like you said, the bulbs are coming up fine. That's great. And I would do all this addition, if you can, anytime, you know, sooner than later, so that you don't have to be walking in there when the bulbs are coming up and just get it out there, throw it out there on the surface of the ground now. The um, And then look at some, some shrubs that will love the heat mm-hmm. and the sun. You know, forget hydrangea. They like a little shade. They like lots of moisture. Think about spirea. They grow beautifully in hot, sunny locations. There's so many choices. Uh, Wajila. Um, I love dutzia, D-E-U-T-Z-I-A, spring flowering plants. So uh, even a forsythia, we're going to talk a bit about forcing branches uh, before we, we finish the show, Dean and I. But um, either way, just look for some nice, easy-to-grow sun-loving, drought-tolerant um, ornamental plants. Will do. We're, we're verge on uh, rural farmland, so I'm sure I won't have any trouble finding the manure. <laughs> good. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, thanks for the call, and uh, good luck with that. Good luck with that, Sharon. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, uh, we have to take our next pause. When we come back, we've got a caller on the line who one of our neighbors to the south. We'll be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, indeed, we are back here on The Garden Show. Charlie Dobbin is here. I am Dean Holland, and we are here to answer your questions. Well, I'm here to introduce you. Charlie's here to answer your questions. I know very little, although I have heard the uh, the top dressing question a number of times, and I re- I've got it through my noggin, fi- finally, Charlie, that you know what? All, uh, whenever you can, add organic matter to any bed that you have around your house. I've, I've learned that from you in the last year and a bit. Good. I like it yeah. when people are learning and listening. I, I am absolutely learning from you. Yes, indeed. And as promised, we do have a caller from uh, from our neighbors to the south, south of the border. We're going to Tonawanda, New York. We have Sam on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Sam. Good morning. Morning. I have a question about something I said I would never do again is overwintering <laughs> Mandevilla plants. 
<laughs> okay. Uh, what happens is it looks great all the way, usually up until February, and then the leaves turn yellow and start falling off. And now it's happening right now in January. They turn yellow with black spots, dry up and die off. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Sam, have you got those? Is it one mandevilla or more? Well, I have two mandevilla pl- hanging basket plants. I'm having problems with one right now. Okay. Are they in the sunniest possible location in your house? Where do you get sun at this time of year? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I mean. Are they in, in a southern or western window? It's in a western window. Okay. So that's sunniest when it's not overcast. Uh, all right. You know what? When they really um, start to to get excited, the plants will often recognize that the days are getting longer and then start to really grow like crazy. What I would do is I'd get out my pruners now on both of these mandevilla, though particularly the one that is uh, suffering, make sure it's not in any drafts. There's no hot air blowing on it. There's no cold air blowing on it. And and prune it right back. Um, and be careful with your watering. When you do this pruning, you're going to find that, um, and in the winter anyway, like you say, gray, gray days do not lead to a lot of water use by plants. So cut it back. Do not water until they're very dry in between waterings. Then water thoroughly with you know room temperature water. So good, good thorough watering when you water. And I think you'll find that by cutting them all back, the plants we are going to get some sun again eventually. The plants will respond and start to pump out all kinds of new growth from where you've done your your cutting back. Now, if I cut back on one plant, all the leaves are at the top. The stems are like 12 to 15 inches long, but the leaves, there's only like 10 leaves on the top. So if I cut it back, there's not going to be any leaves on the stems. Right. And you're right. That could kill it because it'll have no green on it whatsoever. So you, what I've done sometimes when this happens to me is I'll cut back half of them. So that way, you, if there's 10 branches... Uh, stems with leaves I'll cut back five hard right almost to the right into the mm-hmm. the main center of the plant leaving okay. the other five it's going to look silly but do that and you'll find that where you've done your you're cutting back some new little uh, green buds will start to show up as soon as they start to show up then cut back the other five all right sounds good Can okay good luck let us know how that works out sponsor? Okay, yeah, yeah, call us back uh, in the spring and let us know how that's going. Okay, Sam, don't be a stranger. Right. Okay, I, w- I, when, uh, I r- had to remind myself what a mandevilla looked like. So while you were chatting, I grabbed my phone and I, I go- you know, I, I yeah. searched it. Yeah. And so, but then I saw a picture of a wisteria vine and I thought, oh, <laughs> I think I want to, I think I want a wisteria vine. <laughs> no, you don't. No. <laughs> are they, are they tricky? They're they're very slow to flower. I mean, they're gorgeous when they flower, but yeah. it's a real investment in the future. When you plant a wisteria and you need a really, really solid structure for the vine to grow on. They are big, heavy plants. They're they're like Jurassic Park plants. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, I'll rethink that then. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay, we have to take our final pause. We have a couple of callers on the line. We will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. 
Yes, indeed. We are back here on The Garden Show, and we're going to get right to our next caller, uh, which is Andy, who's a first-time caller from uh, Elmer, Ontario. Welcome to The Garden Show, Andy. Thank you very much. I would like to give you your garden wings. We are elated that you would give us a first-time call, and we are looking forward to your question. Yeah, so my my wife and I have a little bit of a debate going. Uh, We moved out to Elmer about three and a half years ago, and we're on a double lot in town. And we put a a border, uh, well, the base for a border garden around our fencing. So it's probably about 140 feet of uh, garden, or future garden, probably about 10 feet out from the fence on average. Mm -hmm. So we uh, had all the grass turned by a tractor, thoroughly turned. Uh, We had some nice, rich triple mix uh, put in there. And then we put landscape fabric on and uh, uh, some black mulch. And we've been doing, you know, replenishing the black mulch over the last couple of years. But my wife feels that the landscape fabric is restricting the growth of the ground plants. It's not helping the hydrangeas because it's a fairly thick landscape fabric. She feels when it does rain, the water tends to run off it because the garden's on a slight angle from the fence going to the grass. Right. Now, my my issue, of course, on that is this is minimizing us having to pull weeds on a regular basis. Right. Yeah. But our hydrangeas, we've got hydrangeas in an area where there is no landscape fabric, and they seem to be thriving better than the hydrangeas are where there's landscape fabric. All right. Okay. So this is a great question, actually. So <clears throat> as you point out, the fabric that was used is quite a thick. It's almost like a J cloth, the landscape fabric. So it's a, it is actually a fabric. It's woven. It's synthetic. It's designed to allow air and moisture to penetrate, but it's designed to not allow growth to come from below. So as you point out, it should help lower the weed population and make maintenance easier. Then with mulch on top of that, mulch, of course, is crushed up bark. The black mulch tends to be a mix of cedar and pine and that sort of thing. <clears throat> and when those mulches are dry, they can actually um, slow down the absorption of water when they're really dry. Uh, the, the rain that comes down hits the dry bark and, and kind of um, because of the oils, the natural oils in the bark, the water will kind of, um, uh, what's the word? congeal into little little balls of water and then flow off the garden down into the lawn and then there it hits the fabric and again the fabric super dry so again there's that movement off the garden i i wouldn't go around and pull up all the fabric i would continue to replenish the mulch so you've always got anywhere from two to four inches of mulch on top of the fabric but you know what you could do and and your wife probably will like this idea is go around to the areas like the hydrangea perhaps where there's some ground cover that are seeming like they're not getting enough moisture and with um, like a box cutter or a sharp blade cut the fabric uh, not removing the fabric but make some x's in the fabric so you're so that you're actually cutting the fabric but you're not opening it up so that um, weeds will move in but you move the mulch you cut some x's you put the mulch back you move the mulch go around and just um, by by opening up that fabric a bit, by cutting it, you're going to get better moisture movement into the soil, and you should not get uh, any more weeds coming up. 
Yeah, and Charlie, my my wife is listening in the other room right now. So I just I just because she is adamant about pulling it up, but I keep telling her like not not only the cost uh, of having done that, okay, but I keep telling her that we're going to be weeding all through the summer if we do that, and it's a large area. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like it. Yeah, no, exactly. You don't want to uh, make life miserable with too many weeds. Um, and the other thing, if you don't have a lot of squirrels and the fabric isn't getting we have tons modified. Of squirrels. What's that? We are inundated with squirrels. Oh, really? Interesting. So they haven't been digging in that garden? Oh, no, they 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 uh, they make a mess of our gardens. I've got to roll the lawn every year because, you know, come spring, it's all lumpy. We've got, you know, we've got about 14, 15 mature trees on the property. It's a, it's a nice size property and everything. But I, since we moved to Elmer, I have never seen so many squirrels in my life. <laughs> okay. The reason I brought up the reason I brought up squirrels is because when squirrels get curious and they start digging in the garden and they hit the fabric, they keep digging and they pull up the fabric in like blobs of fabric sticking up out of the mulch, and you can never get the fabric back down smooth again after the squirrels have pulled it up, unless you tear the whole garden apart and start again. So if they're not doing that, then for now, I would just stick with the idea of slicing some slits into the fabric, see how it goes. Ultimately, if it's all just, you know, not looking pretty, you may have to at some point lift the fabric. But for now, I would just cut some slices. All righty. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for the call. And good luck on that, Andy. Wishing you wishing you luck with that. I have one more caller we have to get to before we end here. We've got uh, uh, Zoraida on the phone from Aurora. Good morning. Welcome to the Garden Show, Zoraida. Hi, good morning. Hope you guys are enjoying your new year. Oh, yes. thank, yeah, happy new year. And I want to give you your, uh, your garden wings, and I hope I pronounced your name properly. It's a Zoraida. Zoraida. Okay, Thank there you, you go. Welcome to the anyway, show. My question is, I was given, uh, you know, those little orchids that you see everywhere in the garden center yeah. or um, grocery store, the drugstore. I don't mm-hmm. know, I cannot pronounce the name. But anyway, um, all it's doing is shooting out uh, little brown stalks on the sides of it. How can I get it to water? Uh, um, how can I get it to flower again? Okay, so great question, Zarita. I am not even going to attempt to answer this right now. We're going to save this question for next week. We have Terry Kennedy joining us on the show, and she is an orchid expert. Mm -hmm. So listen next week, next Saturday, to the Garden Show, and you will hear the expertise from the Southern Ontario Orchid Society Mm -hmm. brought to you by Terry Kennedy. And and be ready. Have a pencil and paper standing by so you can scribble some notes. Uh, Orchids and orchid care and maintenance is a very common question and it's not too tough but you do have to follow some rules and terry's going to tell you all about it next week so thanks for your call and listen next week yeah we've got we've got that expert calling i'm very excited about that um uh, you wanted to talk briefly about forcing uh some branches forcing uh like spring branches sure i just wanted to remind everybody that if you're feeling blue depressed gray sad this is a great time of year if you have on your property any spring flowering plants like forsythia, uh, magnolia, crab apple, apples, uh, witch hazel. There's lots of spring flowering shrubbery out there and you need to do some pruning. You might want to consider on a nice dry day anytime in the next two weeks. Go out, cut some branches, bring them in the house, get them into a vase full of water and get them in the sun. And you will have some indoor blooms 
uh, indoors to brighten up your spring day. Thank you. Sounds, thank you. Oh, yeah. Love great. You. Sounds great to me. I'm going to find those trees, even if they're on my neighbor's yard. <laughs> Do it at night. <laughs> Thanks, Dean. Thank you, Carlos. Thanks to all the great callers. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.